Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk about one core subject, Watford FC. I'm the commissioner, I mean Matthew Meziano, and I'm delighted to be joined by two gentlemen who have Watford in the centre of their hearts. It's football journalist Tom Burdell and football analyst Jordan Wyman. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having us again. Not too bad. Not too bad. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, today uh, is a bit of a transfer special, but I'm well aware that we haven't spoken since the Millwall draw, so I, th- I thought we'd first off go into that, uh, spend a couple of words on that, and I really do mean a couple of words because there's not a lot we can say about it. Uh, Jordan, yourself, a poor game on the face of it. Yeah, it was. It was It was very disappointing. It was a, it was a tough watch in the end, really, wasn't it? It wasn't inspiring in, in many ways, and I think kind of the pitch itself was probably a bit indicative of what we saw from the players, not just us, from from Millwall too. And it was just wasn't it wasn't easy watching at all. I don't think any team really kind of got going in the way they'd want to, and we we struggled to kind of impose ourselves in the game. It was just a a bit of a move on and on to the next kind of situation. At least it wasn't a game that we ended up losing. That would have obviously compounded the misery. But I think it's one of those you have to kind of try and take take the positives where you can, clean sheet and all that, all those cliches, but. I think moving on and trying to trying to work out how we can uh, be a little bit more effective in those sort of situations because it won't be the last time we kind of play a team in a, in a similar fashion. Um, but I, I do think there were a lot of factors that kind of piled into that performance being bad and it just ended up kind of going how we, we perhaps feared. Tom? Yeah, instantly forgettable game. And to be honest, when you said we were going to touch on it, I was a little bit worried that I couldn't remember a single thing about the game. I flipped <laughs> through my notes at the, the front of this notepad and I thought, Actually, we had a lot of opportunity or a lot of territory. I don't know if we necessarily created, carved out particularly good openings, um, but it was just it was just a pretty horrible game all round, wasn't it? Weather and condition that the, the weather and the condition of the pitch were not conducive to a good game of football. I don't think Millwall are a particularly good side. They're you know what we expected in terms of being quite quite scrappy and physical and direct. They seem to direct a lot of their play down the left-hand side, particularly in the first half with uh, Scott Malone. And we seem to direct almost all of our play down down the right side with Ishmael Assar um, with a bit more composure or better final balls between Saar, Gray and Deeney. You know, we might have got the goal and, and given how defensively kind of resolute we seem to have been in recent last few weeks, we might have you know, nicked the goal and, and got out of there with a, a 1-0 win and, and called it a very good result. In the end, as Jordan rightly says, you know, all the cliches, clean sheet, 
and kind of kind of move on. Uh, I think the biggest positive is probably that in the Ivic era, we would have probably struggled to break them down as we did anyway, and then conceded a, a soft goal and, and ended up with nothing. So it's a point and, and move on. Mm. Jordan, did we learn anything from that game? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we learned a few things. I think we, in terms of how we set up and how Millwall set up, I think we're going to see teams that will continue to to play with that back three. I know that's a system Millwall are quite comfortable in using and they use regularly anyway, but I think it's a, it's a good system for nullifying that front two. Um, I think they made it very difficult for us, but I think we still have to just primarily look for a way to kind of capitalise on those away games. I think there was a spell, a spell of the, the game in the first half for about 20 minutes or so where we looked quite positive on the ball and we had good possession and we weren't quite able to to fashion a chance, but we saw some positive signs. So I think it's trying to implement that for larger portions of the game. Um, I, I think it's about coming up with a plan of how to how to approach them sort of fixtures in the future where we can just kind of elongate that pressure and, and maybe not maybe not drift out of the game as quickly as we as we did. Right, okay, good stuff. Let's move on to some more interesting stuff then. Thank you for your comments, Tom and Jordan, about Millwall. Let's talk about some transfers. And uh, I thought we'd begin by identifying some areas that perhaps we should look at, some areas where maybe we could we could invest or maybe we could look at seeing where Watford need to improve. Uh, and we were going to begin with with the goal because it was the, the first position, but uh, Watford kind of put, called our bluff on this one. And, uh, and when we were probably going to say, maybe we need to look at getting uh, someone else in there just as, as like a backup. They've already done it for us. They brought in somebody. Uh, his name is Rob Elliott. He's a 34-year-old experienced stopper. He spent a lot of his time at Newcastle. Uh, guys, our thoughts on this one? I think it, you know, it's just one of them signs, isn't it? It's, uh, it's not exactly a signing of intent in any capacity. It's just, it, it's covering the holes and it's, it's just giving us some depth. And, you know, he's got he's got some decent minutes over his career and it, it's just an experienced backup goalkeeper that's going to tie us over whilst Foster's out and, it's just a kind of bit of business that needed to be done. And I don't think there can really be too many complaints, but I don't think anyone's to get too excited. Um, but yeah, I think it's a solid, solid signing for now. Tom, just a stop gap or, or does, does Elliot have actually a chance of getting some game time? Oh, he's going to have to be fortunate to get game time, I think, isn't he? With uh, Daniel Backman playing so well, if, you know, unless he gets injured or sent off, you'd reasonably assume that there's, there's no chance of him in playing in the coming weeks. I think the interesting thing is that maybe that, Ben Foster's injury is, I don't want to say longer term, but, you know, they maybe can't put a, a date on his return to fitness or return to availability. I'm sure he's not unfit, but, um, you know, in, in the meantime, because I suspect if it was only a matter of a couple of weeks or two or three weeks, they'd have probably crossed their fingers, crossed their toes and hoped that we didn't have to thrust Adam Parks in. And to be honest, if it came down to it, I reckon they'd probably do anything and everything to wheel Ben Foster out, wouldn't they? So rather to me suggest that, uh, you know, Foster's going to be unavailable for a little while. Uh, I doubt that means that uh, Rob Elliott will get any game time, but it's about as good a signing as you can make, I think, as a kind of third-choice goalkeeper at very short notice, you know, experienced. And uh, there's no reason, I guess, why he won't stick around next season, potentially, in, in that role, because we've had people stick around in that non-playing third goalkeeper role, Rene Gilmartin, I'm thinking. Um, quite quite prolifically in the past, if you can do that. Yeah, do, doing that same job at Bristol City now, isn't he? I think Rene Gilmore. Yes, I think so. Yeah, uh, I saw a lot of uh, comments on Twitter though, saying uh, from particular Newcastle fans saying you've got a real good player there. You never really got a, a decent chance uh, at, at the tune, and um, you know you should get some game time 
in the championship because he's a good championship goalkeeper. But like you say there, Tom and, and Jordan, you might want to come in on this one. It, it might be unlikely he actually ever features for Watford. I just, it's not part of it. I mean, I don't think he's brought in to offer real competition. I think it is just to be that safety net should something happen to Backman. There's no real there's no real positives to to playing him if Backman is available because we're trying to invest minutes into Backman and trying to see where he is and try and see how he can prove and trying to get a you know, better understanding of what level he's at right now. And I think there's been a lot of positive signs from, from Backman so far. So to take minutes away from him would just be quite ill-advised. So I, I do think that it's going to be a situation of um, of, of seeing how how we go in terms of fitness and if Ben Foster gets back at a decent rate I'm sure he'll be at the very least number two or go back to that number one spot so I think it is just that backup signing but you never know what's going to happen with injuries so having having someone that's that's capable and that can fill in it isn't going to affect affect our plans too much is is pretty key so I think it's a pretty uh, as Tom's saying it's as good as you can get for a uh, for for a signing in that sort of uh, position squad depth wise okay good stuff uh, let's move into defense now which um, arguably is our strongest position really I mean there's been a little bit moaning from previous managers Ivic in particular about the lack of left-sided defenders but um, since Messina's come back and, and he's looked good albeit by his own admissions not quite there yet it seems all right to, to me and um, I mean I'm not sure if I really expect any incomings in, in that position but uh, what, what, how do you guys see it? No I think we're probably I think we're probably set there um, there's possible there's possibility that we'll uh, maybe get a left back in I'd imagine on loan but I don't think it's it's definitely not a place we're going to be putting a fee down right now um, we're not going to improve us we're not going to improve our start we're going to be looking for a backup and I think if you're looking for a backup then you might as well go down that loan market because January is not the window to operate in for that so I think as things stand we're probably looking at our defense there's probably enough confidence in not just players staying fit but you could move players around if if needed to uh, to to cover that left back position so we're kind of gambling a little bit um but I think on the balance of things if it means it it gives us flexibility to perhaps operate in uh, in the market looking in the midfield or potentially the striker area then it's worth doing um so I think at the moment until the window closes you can say it's an educated gamble really tom yeah i it's the defense I might have said a few weeks ago was a, a, a far greater concern for us than it was. If anything, you could almost see them moving a, a centre-back out if, if there was a really good offer. I mean, I, I don't for one second expect them to, but suddenly, you know, we're playing with a back four and we've got five legitimate centre-back options. Uh, Kiko Feminia, Jeremy Ngakia, and to a greater or lesser extent, Martin Navarro right back and then, you know, left back. But I think, we're obviously short, but I think we will probably muddle through um, on the basis that Kiko and now seemingly Ngakia can both both play there and back up Messina. I don't think it's the priority it was. I certainly think that, and we're going to obviously talk about it in depth shortly, but I certainly think central midfield and replacing Etienne Capu becomes a more pressing issue um, if we're assuming that the money is tight and we can't be you know, lavishing great sums on, on multiple positions. Okay, Tom, well, you brought it up midfield. Uh, carry on. Yeah, we, we've, we've got to do something, I think, haven't we, in the centre of midfield. I I like uh, the fact that Will Hughes is back and he's sort of a bit of a, a jack of all trades and, and he's looked quite good since he's come back. I think actually, um, Jordan, I'd be interested in your perspective on this, but I actually think uh, Nathaniel Chalabar's stepped up a little bit 
in the last couple of games as well, and whether that's a case of you know seeing the opportunity to make that spot his own in Kapu's absence or or not, I'm not sure. But I, I think he has has been better, and I've been quite critical of him at times this season in terms of oh, a, a draw fell out my uh, the little unit next to me. Sorry, let me do that again. <laughs> That's definitely going to fix up. Joe Garner landing back in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. Um, <clears throat> I've been quite critical of Nathaniel Chalabar at times. I think, you know, he's failed to kind of stamp his authority on games and 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 really play with the kind of conviction and quality that we know he's got. And I think that's been a trend of the last few seasons, to be honest. He's, you know, struggled to really put 10 games plus together until probably now due to the form of other players and then prior to that injury. Um, so, you know, this is a big opportunity for him, as we said, but I just don't think he can quite do the Kapoor role. So there's there's a, a hole there to be filled. Um, we've, we've mentioned him before, uh, James Garner. I, they loaned him with the expectation he was going to play more than he has and evidently not going to play under Munoz. So, Munoz, so that suddenly makes, in terms of bodies, central midfield an even more pressing issue. But I guess it might free up a little bit of... Uh, wage bill space to bring someone in. Yeah, Jordan, do you reckon that uh, the fact that he's he's gone now uh, means that you know, like Tom says, we've got uh, that wage bill space now to go and to, to, to get someone into the team. Possibly. I mean, in terms of financials, I'm not sure how much difference it would really make. I don't think he'd be on the biggest the biggest salary, and we're not really even sure how much of that salary we were paying. So. Potentially, um, I think it does indicate that it, there's there's room in in that midfield area. We know that we've been interested in midfielders, so I think when you're playing that midfield too, it, it makes sense to to move one out if you're going to bring one in. We don't need to have that 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 area of the pitch so deep, um, especially it's not really beneficial to Garner who's not going to get the minutes if he's you know bottom of the pecking order. So, yeah, I, I think it it is perhaps an indication that we are looking in that area. Um, I think just on touching on Garner himself, I think he's he's been a little bit unfortunate. I don't think he's been quite as bad as many have said that he has been. I, I think he can play at the championship level. I think it's just inconsistency. It's just he's not quite found his pace yet. And it, it's difficult to do when you're in and out of the team. So I, I think if he can get somewhere where he is going to be allowed a little bit of freedom to to make mistakes and, and have time to kind of adapt. Maybe a team that's not trying to push for that playoffs, potentially automatic promotion, kind of that area of the table, then he, he might he might do well. But I think it just wasn't really something that worked out as, as well as both clubs had hoped for us. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely room to operate in that midfield because as of yet, we haven't quite got that established too. I think Tom's right. I think Chalabas looked better. Um, he's looked a little bit He's playing with a bit more freedom to me. He's kind of moving into more advanced areas and he looks more comfortable on the ball. He's still not perfect. Um, and I know they've been questioned. It's, it's difficult because you can you can ask the question, is it is it a difference in Chalabra or is it a difference in what he's been asked to do? But for me personally, I think just the way you see him operate on the pitch, he, he looks different in his body language and he just looks a little bit more at ease. And I think that's when you see a better Chalabra, um is when he is, he is relaxed on the pitch. So there's an improvement there and that might, that might weigh in, um, play on the minds of the of the board and the ownership when they're looking at um, signing a potential midfielder. So there's still a lot to be done there potentially, but it's kind of up in the air at this point. Mm. There was some talk of Henry Lansbury coming in, but uh, I understand he's now moving to Bristol. Uh, I mean, I would have liked that for nostalgia, though. That that just me saying that, but yeah, 
I must admit, I don't know what sort of midfielder he really is because I think a bit like Tom Cleverley when he was on loan, he was entirely different. You know, all those years ago, he was an entirely different player by the time he returned. And I suspect the same is probably true of Lansbury, who was quite an attack-minded player at the time, scored a few goals from from memory and, and, and you know, very willing to get forward. Just, I don't think he's played a lot of football in the last few years, has he? He's kind of fell out the the picture at Villa and, and certainly after promotion, I think he's barely kicked a ball. He's so, had some injuries, hasn't he? How has he? Oh, there you go. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, from a nostalgia point of view, he'd been great. Whether he would actually have been even remotely a fit for the the hole we've got in the team, I doubt somehow. It indicates to me, when, you, when you're looking at those sort of players, that does kind of indicate that we're looking for depth. Rather, you bring Henry Lansbury, I mean, you're not really bringing him in to, to be a definite starter, are you? It's not someone you're saying, okay, that's an immediate improvement. That's He's going straight in the team. You still get to the next game. You're still kind of questioning the lineup. And you know that if Will Hughes is fit, he's gonna, he should be playing. That's kind of unanimously agreed amongst amongst fans and most likely people at the, at the club coaching-wise. So you're not bringing in that sort of player. You're kind of bringing in someone on that on that level of, you know, you can make an argument for Lansbury or Cleverly or Chalaber. It's it's not really that improvement that we'd be after. And there's something to be said for adding depth. It's obviously still important. But I do think when you're at a, at a point of trying to get your best team on the pitch and trying to, you know, achieve things, you want to have an, an idea of what, what you want in there and, and what's going to push you forward. But then again, in January, it's it's very difficult to, to do that. And if we leave ourselves in that situation by selling Kapu, then, you know, that's the risk we take. Um. James Lee Salicki, he's uh, also been sort of talked about in the press. We've we've spoke about him on the show before. Um, do we think that this is one that uh, could potentially happen? I mean, there certainly seems to be some kind of um, interest from the club. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely interest there. I think it's something we were pushing for, but the talk seems to have stalled. And obviously, as time goes on, we're running out of time now. And I think we have to have a smooth deal um, as things stand. We want to get things done quickly, so this might be one that doesn't come off. Um, it's unfortunate. I think he maybe would have added something a little bit different for us. Um, so to not have that sort of player, I think it kind of pushes us down that market of looking a bit dom- a bit more domestically and looking at them loan loan deals so that we can get over the line relatively quickly. Um, it doesn't seem like we've got too many other targets um, in terms of uh, in terms of Europe or internationally right now. So. Yeah, it's disappointing, but I do kind of get the impression now that it might not go through. The word that I heard from Ron was that uh, they weren't too impressed with the way that Watford were handling the transfers still to be made of of part of the the fee for SAR. And um, they wanted that to kind of be resolved before they would talk about uh, about Siliki. Which is is fair enough if that is the situation. Um, I kind of heard something similar... um, I had something similar in that they wanted, um, they wanted an advance on the instalment of of uh, of SAR, uh, but then yeah, I mean it's just contrary reports, isn't it? You're probably right. If if we're not if we're not up to date on our payments, then why would they be interested in discussing selling another player to us or loaning a player with that with that obligation to buy? So I mean, if that is the situation, then it, it becomes extremely difficult. And I just don't know if there's a time to kind of negotiate that situation at, at that level. Um, with what we're trying to do in, the, in a short short window. Okay, then um, let's finally move to uh, up front, where uh, it's no secret that it's not been Watford's best area this season, uh, despite apparently having the best strikers in the league, according to Chisco. Um, to be quite honest, 
when you look at them on paper, they possibly are the best in, in the league, but they're not doing the business. And so it makes us ask the question, do we need to reinforce that area? Uh, guys, what, what do we, what do we reckon? It needs, as a reinforcement, this is me being a pedant. Reinforcement suggests we're short of numbers. We have a lot of numbers. It needs an improvement in quality, but I'm just bored to death of Scott Duxbury coming out and saying, we have Troy Deeney and Andre Gray and, uh, you know, we've invested in Ishmael Asar and Joao Pedro and we've got Adalberto Peñaranda as well and Jerome Sinclair and every other Tom, Dick and Harry that we've bought, thrown mud at as an investment and and kind of not actually had a plan for or utilised at all. So, you know, every every fans forum for the last few years, it's been brought up and it's been the same sort of answer with a combination of those names trotted out. Um, if they sign a forward player, a striker, I'll be absolutely staggered, um, sadly. But it just feels like there's got to be a tipping point this summer uh, with Dini age and, you know, output. Gray's kind of mental state, it just seems shot, doesn't he, basically? Um, and, you know, the others are maybe not going to be here much longer. So, it needs work, but I would be staggered. And you can probably tell from the tone of my voice that I'm just fed up with the whole situation. <laughs> Jordan? Yeah, we. I mean, we. It's, an, it's pretty, yeah, you're spot on. It's pretty much impossible to uh, to rectify our forward situation in January too. I mean, what we actually need is we need to, we need to move on from certain players. Um, and it's not, it's very difficult when there's no demand for the player trying to move on. Um, and he's he's someone that I'm referring to Andre Gray, of course, and that's someone that is on a on a good contract. No one's going to want to really take on that contract if they do potentially on loan. There's a good chance we're paying a percentage of it still. Um, it, it's difficult because we want to bring in, we want to we want to freshen it up. I, I would say, and um, we have glimpses of doing that. We included Jao Pedro. I think is he's met the expectations of of what he'd expect from uh, a player of his age and experience. He's, he's done very well. Um, Steve Barich has shown some promise but he's struggling to get on the pitch he's struggling to stay healthy so we're in a difficult situation because we do have players in the squad that we could we could change the, the look of that of that forward line but due to injuries and other circumstances other situations and circumstances we're being kind of forced into the, uh, settling with that front two which is, isn't working um, and I don't know really how we address that in in January but it's, it's, it's possible we could bring a loan in I think we would be again looking at the loan market it's not a wise time to spend money on a striker, and it, especially when you have those players in the books, it's, it doesn't really make financial sense. So, if by some miracle there was some interest in uh, one of our forwards, then that's fine. Maybe we'd have enough time to, to work something out. But as things stand, I think it'd be very difficult to uh, to do too much with that front line. Um, so we are kind of left in that situation of uh, moving forward and working out how we can how we can improve the the team around that front line and maybe help them help them kick on a little bit but at the moment it looks very it looks very far off we look quite far away from uh from improving that striking force and, and making it potent and in, unless we get some players back uh, which is disappointing because obviously we all know how important it is to have a, a forward line which is uh, which is firing and potent if you're trying to chase them automatic places and it, it's holding us back a little bit right now i'd say probably more than the midfield um so it, it's a tough situation. Okay, so we've uh, talked a little bit about some of the areas where uh, Watford could maybe do with some improving. Um, and we've also spoken about 
the likelihood of a lot of that happening. But let's talk about some players anyway, because we always like to chat about who could potentially come in or or who could do a job for us. So I've uh, I've given you some tasks of going away and having a look at uh, some players. And, and this is the time to now bring those players forth and, and let us discuss them. So uh, who wants to go first with their, with their players? Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I guess we just take it in turns. I think we're talking about midfield first. Um, so for me, I think... I think you're kind of looking predominantly, if we're looking at realistic targets to me, I think we're kind of looking in that domestic market in, in a lot of ways. Maybe there's maybe potential for some uh, for some European stuff. I've looked predominantly in the domestic market and looking for some value. Um, now, someone we've been linked with previously was Alex Moat, who I think would be a really good addition to our midfield. He's going to cost you a little bit, so we'd have to be willing to, to spend some money and invest in that midfield. But there has been reports earlier in the window from the Athletic and Leventhal that we've We've, we've we've committed to or we said that we would commit to, to investing some actual capital into that midfield position. I think someone like Moat is someone that we can we can feel quite comfortable in joining the team straight away and having an impact. He suits the system. He's got experience. He's a versatile player. He, he can play in various uh, formations and systems. I think it'd be quite a quite a low risk investment. Um, another option, I thought maybe Joe Willock from Arsenal on loan could be a potential. Is a little bit different to what we have. Um, but he's someone that can maybe come in and, and offer something that's uh, that's not currently available in the squad. Um, he needs some minutes. It, obviously, we've had a decent history of loaning players from Arsenal. I think that's that's one we could uh, we could feel quite comfortable in too. And I think he'd maybe offer a little bit yeah. more than Joe Garner in terms of what we need currently. Um, but it, it, yeah, that's I, I think that'd shout. be someone I'd be looking at, especially as we kind of go later on into that window and, and time is, is running out and for permanent transfers are becoming less and less likely by the minute. So I think that's one that I'd like to keep in the back burner and then try and uh, get a deal done in that in that area myself. Okay. Tom, what do you think of those? And, and uh, also, who have you uh, brought to the team? I must say, I like the idea of Joe Willock. I just wonder, I don't know, He's. I think, he, am I right in saying he's kind of not been as involved in the last few weeks and obviously with Erdegaard, I know they don't play exactly the same position, but that's another player that's kind of getting, getting mm. the squad in front of him. And, and then Smith-Rowe obviously haven't done so well. So I, I just wonder if maybe Premier League clubs might get first sniff at him. If, But I certainly like um, certainly like the idea of him. My, I, so through, a little plug here, but through work, we have, a, we have a tool where you can, and I think I mentioned this before, you can kind of put in the, uh, the, the desired kind of characteristics of a player and their age and the league they play in, kind of minutes mm. played, height, all sorts of things. And it will spit like, out. Like Tinder for finding players. Yeah, right. Exactly. And we might yeah. use that as a bit of marketing. Is a search engine for Tinder like that? I don't know. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. I've been off the market for so long. I'm not sure how Tinder works, but... <laughs> I say I, I didn't realise that you put in you put in height and desire cast xg kind of <laughs> oh that would be great wouldn't it I want to I want a girl that's got solid xg there's the Don't name we of all. the show <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh wow um, okay sorry Tom that's quite right there. so it's what happened and I put that kind of across pretty much every major top flight league in Europe a lot of the second tiers the whole of the EFL and so on and so forth. So you've got a lot of names that were obviously completely inaccessible. Uh, but one that particularly I found particularly interesting was Suleiman Mara, who uh, previously the the eagle-eyed among you may know has actually been on Watford's books 
before. He's 25 and he plays for Ghent now. He hasn't played massive amount of games this season. Just just nine tight nine starts in the Belgian top flight. Also previously Granada, so he's obviously known to the Pozzo network. And at mm. one stage they must have thought he was uh, you know w- worth having on their books. He's he's Gambian. He's a full Gambian international. So I, I wonder um, if that would satisfy the new kind of criteria for bringing the players into the country following Brexit. I'm not, I must admit, I'm not fully au fait with those rules. And I want to just state that now with all of my uh, potential recruits, because <laughs> unlike Jordan, I've, I have gone sort of uh, away from potential domestic additions. What The reason he caught my eye, and I must admit, I've, I've only watched a few minutes of him in the time that we've been chatting. So I can't give a particularly accurate picture of him or assessment of him. But what caught my eye in terms of the numbers was that he has completed the fifth most ball recoveries per 90 in Belgium's top flight. He's in the top 20 for defensive duels one. This is among all players. He would obviously come down for central midfielders. Uh, In the top 30 for ball recoveries in the opposing half as well. He's received more passes than anyone in Belgium's top flight this season. So he's obviously someone that they play through and he's completed and attempted the most passes of any player in the Dupala League and third highest for forward passes as well so evidently a progressive passer too and obviously you know how and Jordan can do a much better job of explaining why and and wherefore but you know that those statistics don't necessarily bear out in England you know different teams different leagues different quality of leagues different roles potentially from one team to another and equally the fact that he's only played uh you know made nine starts obviously kind of bumps those numbers up a little bit but broadly the profile I think of someone that could potentially uh succeed Etienne Capou. Absolutely I've not watched him but I mean those sort of numbers indicate someone that's that's willing to get on the ball and the team willing to play through pro players in a deeper position if I imagine a lot of them if you're receiving the ball a lot generally it's from your centre-backs if you're in like quite a possession dominant team so yeah, see, if he's someone that's getting onto the ball a lot and playing forward, then, I mean, just, just them basic traits are things that we're looking for. Um, so, yeah, if he fits the bill, yeah. for sure. And it, it sounds like a, a Podso signing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I do think they've got... Well, yeah, and I do think there's a... I, I do think the I think the Podso's get quite... Um, I think they feel... I think they like going to players they have a good understanding of and, and players like that. I think suit kind of what the, the route they're kind of going down. So I don't think there's any, it's no coincidence that we've, um, we've kind of looked at those areas before and even the links currently to, you know, the likes of Vidra and stuff. I think if you have, if you have the kind of relatively known quantities in a window where you've kind of got a, January is so difficult to get things right. If you're going to take a gamble, if you have anything that kind of gives you a little bit more comfort in your decision, then I think that helps. Okay. Any others uh, midfield wise guys? I've got one potentially that I could suggest, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Just, 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 just because it, it seems uh, it's been mentioned before in the press, so I'm, I'm kind of stealing off the back of somebody else, and it, it feels like it could be more of a a goer than not, and that's uh, taking another loanee from Udinese, and the person that's been mentioned is Wallace, um, who's a Brazilian international, and um, you know could do a job for us, but uh, how likely is it? And um, you know, is it somebody that 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 you think could benefit a, a Watford team? Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, there was talk early in the window of that, wasn't there? Wallace was just kind of banded about a little bit and it seemed like there was some potential in there. But for whatever reason, whether it's Udinese, want to keep him around and he, he's kind of a member of the squad, they thought they might have to call upon more or 
maybe he's not really fancying kind of, it's, it's difficult to say, but I am a little surprised that he's not been, he's not been more prominent in terms of uh, get, it's, it's evident that we need a player in that position. Um, and you'd think that the pot may maybe kind of move a little bit faster and just kind of solve that problem earlier, especially when, when we're not, when we're possibly not looking to kind of spend a fee, it's a quick fix and they could have done it relatively early in the window if needed. So, I mean, there's still potential that could happen. That could be one that, as we, as we were kind of discussing earlier, it's all about timing and it takes a while to get these deals done. And if you've got something like that, where I think one of the benefits of um, of our kind of structure with Udinese is not just the, the access to players, but it's the speed at which we can get things done when we decide to. So we can leave things a little bit late in the window and then have that as a backup. But I guess all parties have to be happy with it, but it's still it's still one that's on the cards. Yeah, played for uh, Gremio uh, and then moved over to Germany and played in, in the German leagues for a bit at Hamburger and Hanover before coming to Udinese. And, um... You could see it happening at sort of 5 to 11 on, on Monday, couldn't you? Uh, if we yeah. fail to get anyone else, assuming he's not, you know, required... Um, Udinese, you could you could definitely see that happening, and that is the benefit of that relationship. Yeah, you don't have to do, you don't have to go. You, you understand the player, you know what the, the personality is like, and you have a good understanding of what he does on the pitch. You don't have to go through the medical process. Um, if you can trust your doctors in Udinese, and you just this is very simple. As long as the paperwork's done in a, in a in a quick manner, then you you should be pretty good. So it's yeah, it's one that could happen pretty late on. Um, it, it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to know exactly what the situation is if it comes to the end of uh, the deadline day and we've signed no one in midfield. Then clearly you'd think it was maybe something the player didn't want or he was just too valuable to Udinese because if he wasn't a viable option, then there's no real harm in bringing him over um, if if he wants to. Okay, then uh, do we have any names for any other positions in the park or was it just midfield we were looking at? Or? Yeah, I did look at some strikers. What, what about you, Tom? Did you? I looked at left backs, despite saying that I wouldn't prioritise it as highly as central midfielders. But you go first, because I'm interested to see what you've got for us. Yeah, so striker-wise, I, I looked at just a couple of different options. I thought it, it's going to be a, a low fee or a loan, and this would kind of it, it, it's possible that we'd move in, we'd move in this area, um, especially with Pritch had a bit of a setback his recovery um so maybe we feel like we need to strengthen it and mm. if we were perhaps looking at loaning or spending some low fees um so a little bit of a out there one i looked at um raider kadra from brighton who's more of a right winger but he's played a few minutes of striker too and he's, he's actually quite a mobile quite good physically um he gets around the pitch nicely he's quite a dominant player he's not really kind of showed the over <laughs> over prowess and finishing over his years his early career is only 19 now um, but what he does have is he, he has an energy that we kind of lack in that front line. I think that movement um, and that ability to drift into wider areas kind of helps the width, the width that we use with Saar and Semmer or Zinkenagel. And I think when we're looking at strikers, I think it's important now just not to look at goal scorers. It's also about how we how we can get the most of the players around them. We have got we have got the potential for for decent production from a lot of the players on the pitch. It's just kind of finding a way of um, of getting as much out of them as we can. And I think with the likes of Andre Gray currently, what we we do see is not just a lack of goals, which obviously is an issue. It's also the lack of uh, of offering too much else to the team. Mm. So it does, it does kind of feel like you're carrying a player. So I think when we're looking at strikers, we don't necessarily have to be bringing in someone that's a goal scorer. Obviously, you would like that, but that does generally drive the price up pretty high. So I think we're looking at traits that can just help the team in general. So Kadra was someone that kind of stuck out there for me if we're looking at that low market. Uh, online from Brighton, it should be pretty straightforward. Um, 
if we were looking at spending a fee, Collie Woodrow at Barnsley, he's someone that's uh, he's quite established at this level. He's a goal scorer. Um, he's, he contributes a high percentage of, of uh, Barnsley's goals, and he's someone that you can feel quite comfortable with coming in and being productive. But he will he will require a fee. Um, but he's a nice nice well rounded player, and we've seen him progress quite well over the years. He's still at a good age. He started at a very young age at, at Fulham, and he's he's had some good minutes in the league. So he's someone that's that's, that's quite quite a solid addition to the team if we could if we could look at spending a fee. Another one is uh, Michael Smith Smith from Rotherham who's a little bit of a different option. He's an older player, he's 29. Uh, he would require less of a figure, but he would he would be definitely one we'd have to put a fee down for. Um, but he's someone that he offers you, he offers you again a little bit more out, outside of just goal scoring. He has actually been pretty pretty consistent with his finishing this year. He's, he's offering some good numbers and he looks solid. Um, he's kind of a late bloomer. Um, he's doing pretty... He's outperforming where he has done to this point, um, which is which is good to see from a twenty nine year old. But I think he's he's a little bit different to what we have, and he's kind of maybe a route we'd like to go down if we try and move away from that kind of Andre Gray situation. But he's he's quite competent in the front too as well. So they're two players I'd look at um, being good options uh, for us in this window. It just depends on what kind of route we fancy going down in terms of uh, transfer fees or loans or or whichever situation suits us best. Well, I like the fact that Woodrow was born in Hemel Hempstead. I mean, anyone anyone born in Hemel is uh, is okay with me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good player. He's, I mean, look, he's he's going to cost a fee, and that might be an issue to us. And we're trying to add players to a to a positional group, which is quite overcrowded. But I think if we are going to do that, you have to be looking at as someone a little bit different to what we have. And I think I think those three that I mentioned there all are a little bit different. But they still have their upside to them, and it's something that that could. They could they could play for us for a couple of seasons minimum. Um, when you're looking at someone like Smith and 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 Woodrow and you know he he's he's someone that could be a, a good championship striker for plenty of years. Yeah, he's he's at a good age still. So there'd be two options I'd be interested in. I did look at um I did look at John Marquise as well from from um from Portsmouth. I'm not sure if if that's something you've you've had much time looking at um yourself Tom or or Matt previously, but he's again someone that's kind of been around for a while, but he's. Mm. He's just quite consistent. I quite I quite like the way he operates in that forward position. Again, he's a little bit of an older profile. He's twenty eight, but he's he's a big he's a big six foot one guy. He's he's quite physical. He gets around the pitch pretty well. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said when you've got when you've got talent in in the wide areas and you've got you've got two up front too. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for for that sort of player. I know we've got Troy Deeney who who offers some he plays a similar role. Um, but when you look at players like Marquise and, and Michael Smith from Rotherham, I think they're kind of that more advanced target man. Obviously, Troy likes to drop in deeper. Um, but I think having that player that likes to kind of play a little bit further up the pitch and he can hold up the ball and, and bring others into play in them kind of more advanced areas, I think it would be interesting to see how much of an impact that would have on, on the likes of Saar and Pedro and Semer and Zinkenagel. Um So, yeah, that, that's just looking at a few different options and a few different, um, few different profiles of player. Quite like that. Yeah, I think also, I mean, as I said, a couple of the, them options there are a little bit older, but I think, I don't think you should shy away from signing players at that at that part of their career. I think it's it's obviously tempting when you're talking about bringing players in. You're looking at twenty year olds, twenty one year olds, who are someone's to give you you know lots of value going forwards. But ultimately, we're trying to perform at a level now and bringing in professionals that are, you know you could consider veterans at this stage. Is there's a value to that too? Um, I think that's it's obviously comes at a, a you obviously often are kind of saving some money in terms of price as well because of at that stage of their career. But 
I, I think there's something to be said for bringing in those sorts of players. And I think we're at a stage now we could benefit from that. Okay, good stuff. Um, Tom? Yeah, so so left backs. I must admit the the the, the vast majority of the names that the uh, the tool I was using threw up were guys that were actually currently on loan at other clubs, which is obviously not a lot of use to us. And then after that, there were some domestic names, so I wasn't going to mention them. But as as Jordan's other position of focus was striker, I'll throw a few out. And then uh, there's one that was particularly caught my eye that wasn't domestic. So the the domestic guys are Lewis Page at Exeter City. Um, who who comes up quite well in a number of metrics. Cameron Pring, who is actually on loan at Portsmouth uh, from Bristol City, I believe it is, who's, who's quite an interesting case. Cause he's, he's 23 now, so I wonder if you know there's a potential to sign him in the future. Sam Hart at Southend, who a, a Southend supporting friend said, probably actually isn't good enough to make the league up to where we are. And then Tom Dallison at Crawley Town, who I think we may have touched on before when we were talking about potential left-backs was previously more of a centre half I gather but but plays at uh plays at left back these days for Crawley. However, the one that actually really caught my eye was and I've looked up my Dutch pronunciations here so I'm going to absolutely nail this is Heist Smell of FC20. He's 23. He's only played 12 times in the Eredivisie this season, six starts, six sub appearances and he only joined them from uh, Volendam who are in the second tier. Uh, last summer but the reason he he caught my eye is because he looks like he's quite defensively solid based on his numbers and obviously we know certainly Eredivisie to England doesn't necessarily translate only look at Afonso Alves and other plethora of strikers that have come from the Netherlands and been appalling in England but it looks quite defensively solid and also gets forward his heat map and kind of where he takes his touches and what have you suggests that he is you know, a, a real kind of menace going forward. And I think we've talked before about the importance of having guys that can kind of play left wing back or left back or full back or wing back and the kind of different responsibilities involved in those two roles. Uh, loves a set piece, a lot of shot assists, a lot of, uh, you know, crosses, completes an awful lot of crosses, one of the best kind of crosses for numbers in the Eredivisie among full backs. So, yeah, interesting guy. I I suspect that probably wouldn't cost the earth coming from there. But equally, I suspect that Twente have bought him as a bit of a project and would not be open to selling. But there you go. Um, Gino, if you if you want a, if you want a left wing back, there's one for you. Okay, good stuff. Um, outgoings then. And uh, I think perhaps the best bit of business could be an outgoing, and that could be the fact that uh, we don't let uh, Ismail Yassar go anywhere. Um, that could, you know, potentially, in my opinion, be... Uh, be the best thing that we do this this whole transfer window what do you what do you reckon guys it's been very quiet around him hasn't it whereas last summer there was seemingly a lot more interest a lot more names being thrown around palace right towards the end of the window and some some bigger clubs prior to that if if we can keep him great and then if we can replicate that kind of stoke performance as we talked about after that game and you know really get more end product from him because i think he gets into dangerous areas quite a lot but the cross is either not right or the players aren't, you know, Dini or Gray aren't necessarily in the right position to maximise it, um, then, you know, that could be a real asset in the, the final kind of few months of the season. But um, I suspect he will stay purely because no one's going to pay the money, are they, at this uh, at this stage and particularly in January. Um, mm. As desperate as clubs get, it's a big gamble. And he hasn't, he hasn't really performed in the way that people would want him to either this season, has he? Not, not, not at the level where if you're a Premier League side, you're being encouraged to spend the money. Mm. 
he's done well, but it's not like he's torn the division up, scored, you know, 15 plus goals at this stage. So, you know, probably to our benefit because he is our most dangerous player going forward most of the time. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think it's it's a big it's a big feed to put down in January. I think this is a it's it's one of the toughest windows to operate in in, in, in football in history. It's 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 very difficult and I think you have to part with a, a decent sum of money to to bring Sar in and he's not someone that's potentially going to be an immediate impact and, and be an immediate starter for the for the likes of the teams that are interested in him that could actually afford to pay that fee at this point. So I don't think I don't think clubs are so much going to be willing to to spend that sort of fig on a developmental player, especially especially in January. So I think um, we shouldn't have too much trouble hanging on to him now for the rest of the season, at the very least. Okay, other outgoings, and um, it looks like Craig Dawson is uh, doing quite well at West Ham. Potentially, that could be a signing that made permanent. Um, I suspect they probably won't do it in this transfer window, but. Um, is that something that we would like to see happen or would we prefer to see Craig Dawson after having a good spell come back and um, carry on playing in that way for, for Watford? Yeah, they've, they've been really enjoying him like the last few weeks especially. He's been doing pretty well. He's obviously been scored a goal and he's, he's looked pretty pretty comfortable for them. I think they they may be getting a little bit more out of him than they expected to. Um, I, I think he's got a good reputation of being a, a professional. That, you know, He's going to be good cover and... He can he can be there when when you need to when you need to include him in the squad. You're not going to be hurt too badly by it. I think he's he was a little bit unfortunate for us. I do think in the the post lockdown phase, I thought he did quite well for us at times and in the Premier League. I think he's maybe a little bit harshly harshly discussed amongst Watford fans, but I think he's found a, a decent a decent decent place at West Ham in the sense that he's getting the opportunity to to come mm-hmm. into the team and he's he's done well. He's taken it. So I think uh, maybe it comes to the end of the season, West Ham might feel like two or three million. For a, a, a squad player that they they can feel pretty comfortable with and they know what he brings, I think that that might be a deal that does come around and, and does come through. It's pretty low, pretty low figures to them. Um, I don't really see him coming back here and it, and it working. I think our centre back position is quite strong. Even if he went into the Premier League, if we did if we did go up, I, I don't think Dawson is necessarily the route we'd be looking to go down at this point. My worry with that one, that yeah, you're absolutely right. They probably won't have the option or or probably won't make it permanent now. And I suspect it was probably an option rather than an obligation to sign him at the end of it. And therefore, by the time the summer comes around, it's a it's a whole new market. And West Ham being West Ham, they do tend to spend a lot of time telling everyone what a massive club they are and, and how ambitious they are and so on. And, and signing Craig Dawson from a championship club at, you know, whatever he's going to be by then, 30, 31, for a couple of million, probably doesn't fit that profile. Um so I suspect they'll go, thanks for a year's service, see you later and we'll be stuck with him. OK, uh, we've seen James Garner has been recalled by Manchester United. Do we expect to see the same from Brighton for Glenbury? Or are they quite happy for him to be uh, being paid by us and, and, and spending his time sort of not doing very much in our kind of back room, I suppose? I think Mario will be doing everything he can to get the loan cancelled. I mean, it's potentially his last season of football and to spend it kind of, you know, in training on his own and I don't think it's really what he wants to be doing obviously there's talk of QPR isn't there um, and uh, was it was it the Forest as well potentially um, mm. yeah Chris Hughes there. so yeah I think I think that would be ideal for him I, I think it would only be fair I, I think again he's, he's been unfortunate you don't, you don't like to see it he, he was coming here with the intention of contributing somewhat um, obviously a lot of us expected that to be from the bench I'm sure he did too um, but it's it's not it's not been good enough for him, and I, I think he deserves a chance to kind of go out and play. It's 
it's something that he should be able to get done. I'm, I feel rare to be comfortable on that. Okay. And then in terms of loans, loans going out, this is, um, could be a chance for a few Watford players who aren't really going to have much of an opportunity to go out and, and get some games. I'm thinking of maybe the likes of Adam Parks, um, potentially people like Toby Stevenson, uh, maybe Mason Barrett, Bailey Spencer Adams, guys that are sort of, um, have been on the fringes, but, but have not really, you know, probably put themselves into the position where they're going to be really featuring that much. Maybe, maybe, maybe the likes of Daniel Phillips and Joseph Hunger could be kept around the, the squad, but um, do, you, do you think maybe a loan deal would be better for them? What do you reckon? I think Parks will probably stay to be that third choice keeper now um, while Foster's injured, so we avoid any disasters. But and I think you're right. Daniel Phillips and, and Joe Hungbo seem to be the two that have done you know well enough to be around that um, kind of match day n- n- nine additional subs or, and you know the couple that they carry as well. On top of that, I wonder about Toby Stevenson. Seemed to be someone that was you know in Nievich's thinking in the early weeks of the season, didn't he? With mm. the shortage of left backs, if he will stick around or not, because he's slightly older than a couple of the others. I think I'm right in saying he's about 21. So. Yeah, you, he is. We signed him from Charlton. You'd have thought at some point he needs to go and get some some men's football, and he hasn't really been on the bench since those early couple of weeks of the season, has he? So he's. I think he's definitely one to probably get out on loan. But I also wonder, just as a, a wider point, with this having to carry nine subs, and then you know, presumably they still have one or two on a match day that travel as well. Um, you know, if they will be reluctant to send anyone out on loan at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I'd like, I'd personally like to see if if we do, if we do see ourselves kind of possibly using Phillips and, and Hungbo in the future, I'd like to see them out on loan, um, give them the opportunity to play and develop. They're not really developing too much, um, just you know, with the, the few minutes they're getting and and training every day. Obviously, there's some positives training with some a better level of player, but I'd rather than be playing football. So I think whoever we're serious about, get out on loan, and we have to make up the numbers and in terms of our squad depth and. Bring him, bring him backups, and you know, traveling with the first team, then we can do that. But I think the players we're serious about should be out playing. Yeah, Sam Dalby probably fits into that category as well. I'd say so. Yeah. Okay, then let's uh, answer some questions from listeners who have uh, have written in uh, to yourself, Jordan, and uh, some very good questions here. Actually, we'll, we'll start with Aaron uh, at Aaron Bennis Ten. He is uh, asking this question. He's saying, assuming we don't get anyone in before the deadline, uh, how should we set up for the rest of the season, uh, considering the current system requires certain players to make it sustainable for, I mean, for example, he's looking at goal, goal scorers and, and maybe the backup to Chalaba, that kind of thing. Well, in terms of setup, I think it, it seems that we're going to continue with that 4-4-2. Um, I think the key is, I think what Aaron's talking about there is how do we, how do we make, how do we make the, the system we're playing and how do we get the most out of it? Um, look, we we are lacking that goal scorer. We're lacking a, a backup shower for sure. I, I think it's working about primarily it's working a way of uh, of maximising the the output of the likes of Zinkenagel and Saar, Semmer, uh, players that we can feel that can contribute from their wide areas. Um, I think the, a good a good plan is to try and work out how we can get all those on the pitch at the same time. For me, I think you want to see you want to see Zinkenagel, Saar, and Semmer starting. Um, I personally would like to see Saar playing more centrally. I think that would be a, a good way of, of compensating for that and allowing us to be a little bit more potent in attack. We saw how he can be dangerous uh, in those central areas. The goal against Stoke, and I think actually one of the better chances against Millwall came from a quite a central run from Saar. He had, he had some some good uh, some good movement in that in that position. He has 
drifted a little bit more centrally at times in the last couple of games. So for me, that's how I'd try and compensate uh, for that lack of a goal scorer would be to to move that winger. And then you do allow Zinkenegel to play on that right-hand side. And that is definitely his best position. I know he came on against Millwall and didn't quite get into the game, but I do feel pretty confident if you have him on that right-hand side, you are going to be in, in, increasing your, your chance to kind of get that ball into the box at a, a decent level um, and allow the, those, those strikers to kind of capitalise on that. We have got some better movement in the box with the likes of Pedro now. And uh, that that's the way I would be looking to to go because I do think we'll be using that that four four two predominantly. Yeah, it's something we talked about before on the show, isn't it? And uh, I, I I agree with you there. I think that uh, it would be nice to see Zinchenko go on the right and and see Sar up front and see if that can can work again. Uh, okay, we've got another question in from Jason Watford FC Finland. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Just caught me off guard. Do you know what it was? I was scrolling Twitter to see if there were any other rumours and stuff, and I bloody taps on some stupid video from Bournemouth by mistake. I, th- I thought it was your ringtone. I, I thought that as well. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's Bournemouth ring. announcing the signing. Uh, Bournemouth announcing the signing of Ben Pearson. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. the standard ring ring for me. <laughs> the drug phone. Okay, it's the big baller. <laughs> yes, Tom here. <laughs> Oh, mate, it's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> I'll try and be professional. Have to scrub a lot from this podcast, aren't we, today? Yeah, this is... All right. Um... <laughs> okay, we've had another question from Jason Watford, FC Finland. Uh, great name. Uh, should we try playing Ben Wilmer at defensive midfield? Um, well, he's, he's kind of been played there before, hasn't he? When he first came to the club, that's where he was being played. Was it under Javi? Um, and I mean that could potentially be an answer. It, it, it depends how 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 good he is and how how um, how well he fits into that position now after he, after playing centre back for such a little bit of time. I think Ben Wilmot. It, when we signed him, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying he had actually played more in central midfield for Stevenage than he had at centre half. Now that might be completely wrong, but I feel like that's correct. And, and as you rightly say, in that cup, FA Cup run under Havi particularly the early rounds against Newcastle and Woking, he played central midfield and by all accounts and in the League Cup as well. I'm pretty sure I saw him in that Spurs uh, MK Dons game and he was, you know, solid. He's, I think he's got the passing capability. Jordan chime in if you disagree. I just wonder if he's quite got the mobility and kind of engines get up and down or well, not up and down because I suppose he'd, he'd sit in, wouldn't he? But yeah, I just, I just wonder if he's quite suited to the role. I'd, I'd have, I'd have some concerns about him doing it at two. Um, yeah, definitely. Just, just because you kind of want a little bit more of. I think he's obviously defensively is capable. I think his passing range is decent. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I'd feel about him playing in the more advanced areas, kind of getting close towards the box and and playing a little bit, being a little bit more aggressive on the ball. Um, I think Chalobah can do that job if you wanted to have a, a deeper line, a deeper line defensive midfielder. Um, I think if at a pinch you could play him in there, we've seen them in there previously, and it's it's a potential for him. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily want to move him. I, I quite like him developing at centre back, and obviously if he's not on the pitch, then he's not developing there. But it's just it doesn't quite fit. I think what we're trying to do. I do definitely, obviously, understand um, where where Jason's coming from there. I do think it's a, it's a possibility. 
Um, but I think we should maybe be looking at how we can get the most out of the midfielders that are kind of a little bit more established there and then working out how we can uh, get Wilmot into team at centre-back and developing in there. That's just how I feel about that one. Okay. Um, Sean comes in and asks, uh, where do we see Queen playing when he when we returns in this current system that is now being deployed, this 4-4-2? I think you might see him as a... As a I think he's got the versatility to play on that wide area. Um, he's, he's not the quickest. That's what I was but he does come. he does come inside into that right foot. If, if you're playing from the left-hand side, I think he could be quite useful there. Um, he does also... You know, possess the ability to play in that central midfield position. Uh, he did it under under Grassi a little bit too. Um, he he can he can play there. He, he's actually he's actually not bad off the ball. His movement's not bad, and he can be quite quick in the challenge. And he can do a little bit of everything. Um, you maybe have a few worries about his retention. He he is quite risky with his passing. You, you maybe might have a few concerns about him kind of overplaying in that in that midfield too, and and hurting you a little bit. But I think he's got the ability to do that. He's not he's not the biggest physical presence, but as I said, he can get around the pitch decently enough to to kind of play in that role. But I think primarily you look at him as an attacking option, especially when it, we are actually quite light in in those wide areas. We obviously only really have the three. You could arguably put Pedro in there and maybe successfully back. But I think if you added Queener as as one of those one of those wide men, you kind of feel a little bit better about that position group too. Um, so I'll probably be looking at that personally. Okay. Uh, sticking with midfield, Michael Hart says, given the chatter about uh, Ghana going, which has been confirmed, uh, he's curious what data or stats say that we need. We've kind of discussed a little bit about the players that we we need in that position, but um, what do we think about this one going? Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of what the data shows and the, and what we're lacking, I mean, I think it's it's very evident we're lacking uh, we're lacking the ability of transitioning the ball from midfield and getting it into our strikers. I think that's something we struggle with. We've we've been quite predominantly a crossing team um, and when you're playing with the front two that's fine but I do think you're maybe you're not getting the most out of your strikers if you're doing that too often I think we, we need to find a way of getting the ball into the strikers feet especially when we have the likes of Dini on the pitch who's going to drop a little bit deeper so I think someone that can someone that can find us forwards uh, and someone that can progress the ball now that's something we were looking at with uh, Saliki is a different way of doing that he's not that he's not that um He's not so much of a progressive passer, but he's someone that will carry the ball. And we don't really have that. We haven't had that since Decore, and we've seen how effective that can be, especially in that two-man midfield. If you use it correctly, it does give you the uh, the opportunity to kind of advance and commit defenders, and it opens a little bit more space than forwards. So I think personally, I do, I do think we're lacking a ball-carrying midfielder. There's no one really in the team right now that does that, um, and that's an area I'd, be, I'd definitely be looking at. So I think that's probably that that weak spot in the midfield for me. Okay. Uh, Cameron says, uh, realistic strikers haven't been talked about much. Hopefully we've given you a few options there, Cameron. Uh, Chris Price says, what do we think about Delph? Presumably Fabian Delph. Tom, uh, what's your mm. opinion of him? Yeah, I, I saw that one a minute ago when I was just scrolling on Twitter. It kind of surprised me. I, I liked him a couple of seasons ago. I must admit, I thought he was surprisingly good at Man City and he was a, 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 a quite a nice fit for the way that Pep Guardiola likes his fullbacks to play, sort of driving in field and kind of flooding the midfield when he was filling in at left back. He you know, did that really, really quite well. I'm just not sure, A, whether he's the midfielder we need in terms of his ability on the ball, in terms of what Jordan was just saying there, in terms of what the, the, the data says we need, someone that's going to progress the ball. I don't think he really does that. And B, his his fitness uh, in recent times has just been, his availability has been appalling. And finally, I suspect he would not be in our price bracket 
unless the break of the uh, the split of wages was very favourable towards us because City to Everton, I'm sure he is on a decent wedge. Yeah, that might be the one, isn't it? It's just a strange. It doesn't really. I think really see what we're doing. I think if we're gonna if we're gonna go down the loan route, I, I still don't think it's quite what we're after. Um, as you say, availability is so important, especially if we are looking at someone that we can try and bring in to actually you know give minutes. You don't want to bring in someone that's not going to be on the pitch, and it doesn't feel like a good fit to me. Okay, uh, thanks very much for all of your questions. Uh, QPR next, Tom Jordan. What do you reckon? Hopefully, better than Millwall, right? Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, we have to, we have to hope that um, that we'd be showing a little bit more than we we did in the previous away game. So, yeah, I think uh, if we can just be a little bit more, I think we had some sustained spells of possession. I think if we can have a little bit more of that and show a little bit more intent and intent in looking forward. Then, yeah, I think just them incremental improvements would be ideal and definitely not a repeat of the Barnsley game, of the uh, Millwall game. They're not having their best season, are they, QPR, Tom? No, they're not great shakes, are they? I think uh, we kind of saw in the the game at their place earlier in the season that they were there for the taking, but we kind of, by failing to kill them off, allowed them to grow in confidence and come on to us and and have a few chances. They put a lot of put a lot of crosses in, and they you know they get the ball forward quite quickly and, and quite early. So they get, they're going to put us under pressure in that sense. But I, I, I don't think they're a particularly good team. And you've got uh, Lyndon Dykes up front who just can't seem to buy a goal, can he? But as as we saw in that game, Elias Chair is you know a particularly good player. They've got Bright Say Samuel as well, haven't they? Who's a good, a very good, dangerous winger. So you know there are individual threats in that team as well. Um, if we beat them then the Millwall point becomes a decent point, continues the run, doesn't it? If we if we struggle against QPR, then it suddenly becomes, oh, is it actually working under Munoz and, and, and the kind of doubts creep in? So uh, a, a bit, they're all big doubts. There's also the potential of James Garner being there too. Oh, is he being linked with yeah. QPR? Garner going to QPR. Oh, I saw yeah. Forrest yeah, as well. So oh, that would be typical, wouldn't it? Direct through kick from James Garner. Yeah, yeah that's it. Oh, <laughs> say it isn't so. <laughs> I tell you what, though, the, the fact that it's on Monday does help Watford's situation out a bit in terms of keeping hold of Saar because uh, they kind of won't be able to negotiate too much, will they? Um... I really don't feel like there's too much going on in, in regards to Saar. It doesn't really feel that like there's there's much pressure on us no. at this point. I, I know what you're saying. Definitely, obviously, we could be occupied in, in other areas. But I, I think it's one that the interest in Saar has been pretty... Pretty minimal. Does it mean that we're going to see most business done on Sunday from from Watford, either incomings or outgoings? Yeah, I I mean I don't know. I think I think incomings we might see some on, on, on Monday. I think I think outgoings I think we'd probably see in beforehand. Yeah, and in, unless it's the the cancelling of loan of, of Murray, for example, that's not really too difficult for us to get done. But yeah, I think I think obviously these next couple of days is where it's all going to happen. But I, I do think most likely it'll be Sunday that we'll see any movement. We've heard this. I've heard this view on from the rookie end that, you know, perfect, lock him up in his hotel room on, on Monday night or Monday daytime and, and sure he doesn't go. I will only need to refer you to the Marvin Sordell departure when we were playing Millwall away on a Tuesday night and he was in the team to play and then got polled and sold at the last minute. I don't think that'll happen this time because, as we said earlier, just, you know, I think the club have done a very good job in the sense of, being strong and being firm and saying you can have him, but it's going to cost you this much, or you can have him on loan, but there's an obligatory fee in it, not an optional fee, and that 
deal. And I just don't think, you know, January is a month where clubs do kind of lose their minds a bit and, and gamble. You know, we only have to go back to the the Carol Torres uh, January, the best January transfer window ever. But the fact that everyone harks back to that one is indicative of the fact that clubs have actually gotten a lot more sensible in in, in the kind of decade since. And, and in January, there are fewer and fewer big money deals and it would take, it would be a big money deal. It would probably be one of the biggest January deals ever if it would happen. And I just, as Jordan says, there hasn't, hasn't even been the chat about him has there in the in the last three and a half weeks so and everyone's feeling that same pressure from covid that everyone's got some financial restrictions so i think it's just one of those situations where it just doesn't suit either part we're, we're not going to part with him we're not going to do another club a favor by parting with him for less than we value him for no. and if clubs aren't going to clubs don't see him at the same value in in regards to what they can afford currently then it's just going to be one of those where he's not going to get sold and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer because you know there's a very good chance that clubs are going to be facing a similar kind of financial situation and we might still be in the same situation of what we value him as, or, or we might be looking at kind of trying to boost them parachute payments and we need to sell for a, for a lower price. So it'd be interesting to see how it pans out, but I think it's definitely a, a non-starter for January. Okay, good stuff. Uh, my thanks to you both for joining me again in uh, what's been a pretty long chat, but uh, we've enjoyed, haven't we, talking about transfers. It's fun, it's interesting, uh, but uh, we probably don't have to do it again now until... Uh, July or or, or June, so um, we can have a bit Unless of a rest. Unless we sign loads of players. Unless yes. we sign loads of players. You know what, my prediction is that we are going to sign somebody, but it's going to be somebody that we've already kind of got through the door that's an under-23 youth, but we're <laughs> going to kind of announce it like it's a big thing uh on on deadline day to make it look like we've uh we've ha- we've had a go at getting somebody in it's it's horrible when you you get that notification of a tweet from what for what for twitter page and you you see the little pencil emoji and then below is the uh the under 23 <laughs> also um people that have asked questions on twitter i think we pretty much covered them all um if we didn't answer them directly then we've covered them just in general discussion but if not then I'll uh, try to get back to you. Yes, I think I, I think I covered everybody. Uh, if I, if... yeah, there's a few questions there, but I think some of them were among you know we kind of answered just in general um, conversation in regards to under twenty three players. Or yeah, do get your questions yeah, in, guys. We do love uh, getting them, and um, we will try and answer them on the show. Obviously, a lot of the time it's us talking about what we think rather than what we know. But we don't work for the club. We don't have any you know affiliations to the club i mean we just kind of scour the the web we do have people that we that we kind of chat to that um that that we know that work in different footballing parts of the world but um you know we don't we don't have any concrete information so it you know if if we said something was happening uh and it doesn't then don't don't be surprised last last thing i will say here though we contrary to what you're just saying then that we do have there is a little bit of breaking news um oh. in that forest have a deal for James Garner on loan to the end of the season and he's done his medical. Oh, so look that at that. One's, that one's done. We yeah. managed to get the pod going just long enough so that we could find that information and yeah, bring it to you. Go. All the breaking yeah. news today, news of yep. him leaving and then news of his new club as well. You can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, it's been a mind-blowing day everything for about Yeah, it really has. Today. <laughs> Importantly, we've learned that he won't be featuring against us on Monday, so there'll be That's no true. free kicks That's against true. us that, uh, that will go Good in. to know. Having said that, somebody else was going to have it. And also, another one more question that was asked on Twitter from Uncle Ron, not my uncle, but that's his name. Um, he, he he mentions us not spending a fee uh, during the window. He, he, he points out 
Waters to Cardiff and, and Pearson to Bournemouth for pretty low fees and kind of wondering why we're not involved in those. And I, I do think it's a, a good point um, in some in some respects, considering that there were reports we were looking at spending a fee on players. I think maybe Waters is obviously the difficulty of bringing in a striker, but Pearson, you know, that's a position we could have brought in and Bournemouth have done for relatively cheap. So I think you, you, there should be some question marks raised there. Uh, same when you look at Ben Whiteman to Preston too. I know there was... There was a uh, reasoning behind that in that he wanted to stay up north, but th- there are some there are some players moving around from from the football league that are moving at pretty decent fees. And whilst we may not want to spend too much money, uh, I do think we most likely are able to spend some. I think we could have improved. I think we could have improved some areas of our of our team for pretty pretty low fees. So it's a little bit disappointing that as of yet we haven't been too active domestically. I think we've maybe missed a couple of opportunities to to improve ourselves. I think with Ben Pearson, his contract was running down, wasn't it? So it's kind of a, you know, get a little bit for him now rather than uh, signing him. Uh, yeah, exactly. In the, however, there's no reason that we couldn't have competed if it was a small fee. So that's what I mean. It's there's, 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 you know, there's some, there's some value to be had in, in late in the, the championship and the football league in general. And, you know, maybe we, maybe we have been involved in, in some capacity, but I think we could do, it's difficult. We don't know the, the exact ins and outs of the financials, but you know, generally the Athletic are pretty pretty accurate with their reporting, and if we were looking to reinvest some of the money we received from Etienne Capoue, we could have we could have invested that comfortably, um, in, in a small portion, a fraction of that, comfortably into into improving our midfield in this example. So, yeah, it, it's a little bit strange, um, but I think that's something we'd like us to be kind of looking at a little bit more in the future. Is that the kind of domestic market and working out what the value is, especially with the new new Brexit rules? Yeah, Will Hughes and um, Ben Wilmot aside, we haven't really signed anybody that's f- going to be straight into the team from a domestic point of view. No, and 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 they've been. I mean, look, we've got some good value from those players. Will Hughes obviously been a key player. He wasn't pretty known quantity, but someone like Ben Wilmot, he's a starter for us, and you know, was a semi regular starter for us. So there's no reason we shouldn't be looking there, especially when, I mean, the argument for not shopping in England has always been the value because you're you know kind of purchasing them homegrown players. Whereas now, as as things are, especially in the football league with financial restrictions, there's a lot of value to be had there. So it's actually become a good market to buy from. I'm not sure if. I'm not sure if we're maybe not as comfortable in our assessment of players. We haven't quite, maybe we haven't perhaps uh, accounted for our scouting department to be spending as much time looking in in the UK. But it's something we should at least be moving towards in in the in the coming months. Okay, good stuff. Jordan and Tom working at the top of their game, making sure they're bringing names to you that you've never even heard of before. Or maybe you have, and maybe you've um, you thought, yeah, those are the exact names that I was expecting, or perhaps, oh, I didn't expect those guys. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Um, I suspect none of them will be sold. Uh, to <laughs> who knows? I mean, who knows? The reason we're bringing them to your attention is because those, these are people that we think could do a job for Watford and hopefully Watford have at least considered them, you know, if, if not, maybe maybe doing something about it. Who knows? But um, good stuff. Thanks again to Jordan Weimer and to Tom Bedell at Jordan Weimer and at TB Bedell on Twitter. Uh, you can chat to them and, and ask them more questions if you'd like about um, transfers. I'm sure they won't mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. no. Don't mind at all. <laughs> good stuff. We'll be back again to chat after the QPR game. So until then, enjoy your weekend. So from Tom, Jordan and myself, it's goodbye for now.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 